Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Purdy Insurance. Visit Purdy Insurance on Market Street in Sunbury or visit online at purdyinsurance.com. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. All right, today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance. Market Street and Sunbury, go to purdyinsurance.com. Purdy's have served this valley for decades, finding their clients, customers, friends. Exactly the right insurance and the best price possible. There's ever a claim or updating, and they take care of it because to them, customer service means everything. When you meet with the Purdy staff, by the way, you'll find out they are just terrific people. Well, not only are they terrific people, they're great professionals. They do really good work. Purdy Insurance, Market Street and Sunbury, go to purdyinsurance.com. Speaking of great pros, Sunbury Motors. When you have that kind of product line and then you add in a great staff and you add in a great service department, you've got a great dealership. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Our play-by-play call of the day. Time to put it away for Kansas City. Handoff, Damian Williams trying to get to the edge, breaks a tackle, 35-30, Damian Williams, 20, stays in bounds, 15, 10, 5, touchdown, Kansas City, Damian Williams runs to immortality and will be remembered forever in the Chiefs kingdom, a 38-yard touchdown run, and the Chiefs lead 30-20. Mitch Holtfuss on the uh, Chiefs radio network. Who always does a great job, by the way. All right. Chiefs won yesterday. Um, We did get on our Facebook page. John wants us to give a big shout-out to Penn State Wrestling for bouncing back and beating Maryland. See, Maryland Wrestling is a perfect example of how hard it really is to win, because they don't. (laughs) All right. Maryland, not good. Uh, but the Penn State wrestling team is interesting in that here's going to be, and this go, this is not something I have not talked about before I have. But, and on certain nights, you're not going to have it, or the other guy's just really good. Who going into the Iowa dual meet on Friday night thought that Mark Hall was going to lose? It ended up being 1917. Now, Cale Sanderson cares about every competition, but in the end, they are wrestling to be at their best in the Big Ten Wrestling Championship and in the National Championship at the Dome in Minnesota. The difference with this team compared to the other great teams that have been in this run for Penn State, and you have to ask yourself this question, where are you going to get the bonus points? When you have a David Taylor or an Ed Ruth, you are going to get bonus points, not just in dual meets. You're going to get bonus points 
in the national tournament. When you have a Bo Nickel and a Jason Nolf, you're going to get bonus points all over the lot each round. For this team, and every team's different, where you know, you're going to get wins. Penn State is going to get wins in the Big Ten championships and in the NCAAs. The question is, can they get enough bonus points to get back over the top and make it 9 out of 10? Came back yesterday, beat Maryland. Good win. I think they're back on the road. I want to say it was Wisconsin this weekend, I believe. Uh, also, John wants to give a shout-out to Southern Columbia and Lime Mountain because their wrestling teams are headed to Hershey for states on Thursday. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, James Franklin is going to have a press conference on Wednesday this week. Wednesday is the late signing period. There's nobody to sign. The early signing period is the signing period, but you do have the second one. But James is going to take the opportunity to do something he has not done since the Cotton Bowl, and that's address the media. And about the coaching changes that have been made so far, although there are other hires still to be made. And he'll do that on Wednesday. Meanwhile, hockey teams had a couple of struggling weekends here. They just need to get themselves back on track. And I'd have to talk to Brian Tripp as to why it has struggled. I watched some of the game on Friday night in Lincoln before I then watched wrestling. So I don't quite have it. I'd have to talk to him, and I will talk to him as to what, you know, what is, or, you know, in that margin of error, where is, where is it falling for them right now? Because obviously they played Saturday night, and I didn't see a single thing Saturday night. I was doing a game in Lincoln. And then there's basketball. Uh, the Nittany Lions have now won four in a row. And in the 124-year history of Penn State basketball, this is the 124th season, and no, I have not done all 124, despite what some of you think. In the 124th season history of Penn State basketball, Lamar Stevens is only the third player ever with Taylor Battle and Jesse Arnell to achieve 2,000 career points. I hope that at least puts it into some perspective. 124th season, only the third guy to get there. And what do the other two have in common that Lamar is trying to also accomplish? The other two made it to the NCAA tournament. Of course, Jesse led Penn State to the Final Four, but Taylor Battle got them in. Last week, he passed Joe Crispin, who now is in fourth. Joe Crispin got them in. That's what he, you know, so when you talk about 2,000, 
the most important number to Lamar Stevens right now at this hour is 17. And like, okay, what does that mean? 17, you're going after your 17th win of the year. That's the big part. They're going after their 17th win of the year. Tough place to play, too. Michigan State has struggled on the road, as evidenced by Purdue, Indiana, Wisconsin. But they've been terrific at home. Terrific at home. Cassius Winston has had another great season. 18.5 points a game. College basketball's best point guard. Going up against Jamari Wheeler. Try this on for size with Jamari Wheeler. In his last two games, he has faced Rob Finnessy of Indiana and Cam Mack of Nebraska. Cam Mack has been on an incredible roll. I think Cam Mack was averaging, what, 19 points a game in his last six? Between Finnessy and Mack, I think between the two of them, they're averaging about 24 points a game. You know how many points Finnessy and Mack have combined for against Penn State with Wheeler on them? How about zero? Now, there's no way on the planet that you're walking into the Breslin Center with the idea that he is going to shut out Cassius Winston. The question is going to be whether he can slow him down enough and suddenly it makes a difference in the game. That's the big part. Can you do that? Because Winston is a great player. And then Xavier Tillman's an outstanding player. He's coming off one of those weird days at Wisconsin. Just a weird day. Penn State got, uh, yesterday, you, know, you try and keep an eye on other things. The bottom line, you have to go out and you have to help yourself. That is the big part. You have to go out and help yourself. Right? So Penn State's been doing that. They've won four in a row. But you still keep an eye on what's going on. For example, Georgetown winning over St. John's. That moved Georgetown to 48. And the key is keeping them in the top 75. By staying in the top 75, it means it's still a quad one win because it was on the road. Dick and Milton, how are you, my friend? I'm good, Steve. Hey, I just wanted, I'm the couple hold you. I just wanted to make two quick points. Yesterday, when Penn State wrestled Maryland, we had two starters out at, at 74 and, at, I mean, sorry, 84 and 97. And the backups both won, but still, that's a testament to even our backups. And, and my other point was about 2,000 point scores. And I don't know this. You, you could research this or you might know. When Jesse Arnell played at, at that time, sometimes freshmen didn't really play much basketball. That's at least right. In some schools. And the that other thing right. is, they didn't play as many games, I don't think, as they do today. No, they do not. Jesse Arnell's numbers are legendary and off the charts, what he did. And Jesse was here in a football scholarship. He was here with right. he and Bobby Hoff, and those guys were here in football, and they just happened to play basketball, and they got to the Final Four. What he did are, are just numbers that are jaw-dropping uh, because, you're right, not as many games. 
Not as many seasons, but at the same time... No no three-point line. Not that he would have been a three-point shooter necessarily, but there wasn't one back then. Right. (laughs) That's what what I said about the Pete Maravich thing. How many points would Maravich have scored? Maravich only played three seasons, and Maravich didn't have a three-point line. He gad. But for Lamar Stevens, obviously more games, which you're correct, more seasons, which you're correct. But we're also in a one-and-done era, Dick. And so guys right. like Cash, Cassius Winston and and Lamar Stevens are more the exception, it feels like, these days than the rule because of the one-and-done nature or the going-to-the-pro nature that we're seeing today in right. college basketball. So there's two no, ways you're... of looking at it, and you're right, you're right about yours, and I just wanted to add in about, geez, the senior part's a rare thing these days. And I'm not sure who 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 surrounded back at that time Jesse Arnell, but today you got you put five guys on the court, but four other guys that want to shoot the basketballs. I'm not sure what, what his cast surrounding was like back then. Yeah, that's a good so. question. Because um, I know Bobby Hoffman. Now, Bobby, if you talk to Bobby Hoffman, he'll tell you he scored 30 points a game. You're like Bobby, no, you didn't. <laughs> so, <laughs> but Bobby thought he did. Um, but yeah, there is certainly in certain areas what I refer to as the AAU mentality. Right. That's one thing that's it's interesting about wrestling. Wrestling is like it's a quote team sport, but it's really it's I mean, it's an individual sport. Yeah, you go out and you earn your earn, you win your match, earn your points, maybe get some bonus points and help your team. But you know, you talk about like people taking shots in basketball. Well, Bobby over here may be taking 10 shots, which means I only took four. In wrestling, you get your shot in your seven minutes. Hopefully. <laughs> well, I know I know. for me, I'd be counting the ceiling tiles. One, two, three. <laughs> Looking up. <laughs> what do you mean we're done? He slapped the mat. Well, me- I'm, fi- I'm finished? <laughs> I'll make one more comment about wrestling because I listened to Brands's uh, 15, 14-minute uh, post-game or post-match uh, uh, talk, and he talked about Mark Hall's match, and he said he said basically that his, he sent his wrestler out there, and he said he pretty much re- studied wrestling for the team, wrestled almost like he was in a tournament. Like it, it, we, that was his philosophy. I mean, he's paraphrasing how he kind of like thought he wrestled right. that match because there's See, a difference if you're wrestling for team points or you're wrestling not to lose it. You you won't advance the next day, right? See, and that's so. I, I I've always felt that Kale he values every opportunity out there. Don't get me wrong, right? But his value is is okay. Make sure you're peaked at the Big Tens. And at nationals, I mean that's how I've always looked at how Kale looks at it, and, I, and Kale is that exactly right. All right, he's disappointed they didn't win at Iowa. He's disappointed Mark Hall didn't win, obviously. But the idea is that when March rolls around, that Mark Hall's ready to go out and win another national title. That's what he's looking at. Well, I'll let you go, but it's a big weekend this weekend. They're at Minnesota, Wisconsin and Minnesota, and that's two decent Big Ten teams, and then yeah. they're both on the road also without somewhat hostile crowds, obviously. They, everybody wants oh. to beat Penn State. So. Well, that's <laughs> Penn State. See, that, see that's the remarkable part um, about what Kale's done, what Russ does, what Joe did. You know, Joe rarely lost to a team – that it was perceived going in that he was supposed to be. Rarely. 
I mean, you can really sit there and like remember off the top of your head. Well, gee, you know that that Cincinnati game in '83, the Rutgers game in '80, but there weren't many of those. Every game Penn State went into in football, every dual meet Kale Sanderson brings Penn State into, every volleyball match that Russ Rose brings his team into, regardless of who it is, whether it's let's just take wrestling. That's what we're talking about. All right, If it's Iowa or Maryland, Penn State is the biggest fish that they are trying to catch. Each one, big, instead of walking out there with a singlet that has Penn State on, I might as well walk out with a target. Because Penn State is the biggest show in town. And to their credit, almost every time they handle it. And that tells you something about the program and about the wrestlers and the and uh, and him. Well, they handle it with a lot more class than a lot of schools do too. Oh, <laughs> Even losing, they a, handle it with more class. Absolutely, there's a there's a there there is a Dilk. You're so right. There is a grace as to how you handle both. And Kale and Russ and Joe, and you know you can keep going the long list of other know how to handle both. Doesn't mean they're thrilled with losing. But they know how to handle it in the public in such a way, right, where you make sure the other guy gets credit and you make sure that your athletes know that you're going to push forward. Okay, I'll let you go, Steve. I just wanted to make that comment about basketball and wrestling. Thanks a lot. Cool. Thanks a lot, Dick. Uh, back with more in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK. All right, great to have you with us on the show today. And, uh, yeah, as Dick mentioned, a couple starters out for Penn State and wrestling yesterday. And that's one, look, that's one of the things that you have to uh, take into account. That's why winning is so hard. I was talking earlier about Patrick Mahomes. When people forget there's a period of time he missed some games this year. They ran that quarterback sneak against Denver, and suddenly the franchise is laying on the field. Uh, uh-oh. That's a big problem. So, yeah, in order to do this, you have to have some good fortune smile upon you from time to time. And to and add to that, Matt Steve, Moore, to hmm? add to that, Steve, what you're talking about with Andy Reid and even with Pat Mahomes and him missing those couple of games, Kansas City became the first Super Bowl-winning team to win three straight playoff games by coming back after being down 10 points or more. And you don't do that just by by your your own your own stance. You 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 have to have some luck to that. Like if if Kansas City had to be on the road for any of those three games, you probably don't win those games. The fact that they were at home and they got well, it the way they did helped them come back, I think. Well, I mean, and that's one of the keys. I mean, for example, is you're out there and you get two home games. Well, how do you get two home games? Well, Mike Kosicki caught a touchdown pass in Foxborough. Okay. And that means that you're the number two seed. And then Tennessee walks in and dismantles Baltimore. And suddenly, you are the home team. Hey, San Francisco, same thing. San Francisco is 
eight inches away from being the number five seed and having to win nothing but road games to get to Miami. Hey, that's that's how close it gets sometimes. That's as clo- That's how close it gets sometimes. There's that margin for error. All right. Final half hour coming up here on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Purdy Insurance. Taking your calls at 800 795 9565. This is The Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And today's show brought to you by. Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. The Purdy's have served this valley for decades. Finding the right insurance so you're covered. Best price so your budget doesn't take a beating. And they adjust the policies, make sure you're updated. And if there's ever a claim, they go to work as if it happened to them. Customer service means everything because they are great people who are great professionals. Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Summary. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Last three drives of the game for Kansas City, 65, 83, 42 yards. Last uh, four drives for the 49ers, punt, punt, turnover, and downs, interception. So there you go. But again, that to me, a couple things. Number one, the 49ers have to ask themselves, why their pass rush is tired in the fourth quarter of games. It's not that, it's not that they're not trying hard, not working hard, the whole thing, but why Why is their pass rush in the fourth quarter ranked 20th in the fourth quarter? Which then leads to being 28th in pass defense in the fourth quarter. Why? Normally you get great pass rushers. They get to the fourth quarter there in that track stance. Yeah, the other guy across from you is just as tired, but you know what's coming. You got to go. And again, having a quarterback with mobility can run you out of gas. And Mahomes may not be a runner, but he's got mobility. Hall of Fame vote, Troy Polamalo got in. Alan Fanica did not. So Peter King in his column today on NBC Sports 
uh, discuss some of this about the discussion that took place. He Tony had Vaselli the dumbest explanation ever for his ballot. What? He had the dumbest explanation for his ballot. Well, I got to look at it first. So let me see here. It says Tony Baselli took 36 minutes. Uh, Sam Mills took 24 minutes. Edger and James, who got in, took 23 minutes. Isaac Bruce, who got in, took 22 minutes. Steve Hutchinson got in, took 21 minutes. Steve Atwater got in, took 19 minutes. Zach Thomas uh, took 19. Richard Seymour took 16. Isaac Holt took 16. Troy Polamalo got in, 13. Reggie Wayne took 12. Bryant Young, 12 minutes. Alan Fanica's discussion took 9 minutes and 28 seconds. So his analysis is is that Zach Thomas is getting great support from Brian Urlacher and Ray Lewis. He says that helps. Tony Baselli, he thinks, will make it. He says, Alan Fanica, he says, quote, well, I will be stunned if he doesn't get in in the next two or three years. John Lynch, he thinks, has a shot as well. Let's see. He voted for Atwater, Baselli, Hutchinson, Edron James, and Lynch. He did not vote for Polomalo. Peter did not vote. He didn't vote for Polomalo, huh? Yes, and he says an explanation is necessary. He believes he was one of the top five candidates this year, and I believe in voting for the best five candidates. But because I felt certain Polomalo would make it regardless of my vote. I decided to vote for three players I felt were marginal after listening to the deliberations, Abwater, Baselli, and Lynch. I don't feel great about doing that, honestly. But yet he still did it. <laughs> it's just like, why bother with this explanation? It is like the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. Because you're telling me, as a voter, and baseball writers do the same thing. We just talked about this earlier with the baseball writers. They're playing games. You can't do that. You cannot play games when you well, are trying to vote yeah. for Hall of Fame. Just vote for who you think is the best. Right. That drives me crazy. Um, the problem is, is, to me, is not... The problem to me is that the Pro Football Hall of Fame has five openings. That's it. You have five in a sport where each team has 45. So you make a calculated gamble that of the, there are 48 voters, you make a calculated gamble that the other 47 in the room aren't thinking the same way you are. They don't vote the guy in. It's like, whoops, I voted for somebody else. I thought for sure he was getting in. But out of those guys that he voted for over Palomalu, Abwater, John Lynch, I mean, John Lynch is probably maybe the only exception I would say to that. But like, but to me, you got to go Pal- – there's no reason why Palomalu shouldn't be voted for over those three guys that he mentioned. Well, again, yeah, I understand what you're saying. Again, there's a bottom line 
that I mentioned with Derek Jeter, for example. Uh, it doesn't matter to me if Derek Jeter is unanimous. I could care less if Derek Jeter is unanimous. The bottom line is, did he get 75% of the vote? That's all that matters. All that matters is getting in. Does it matter if you got in with Larry Walker at 77%? Or does it matter you got Derek Jeter missing being unanimous by one? I mean, it's all relative. I mean, you're telling me that percentage-wise, Derek Jeter, in the rankings of the players in the history of baseball, his percentage is higher than Babe Ruth's? Really? Joe DiMaggio's, Mickey Mantle's, Lou Gehrig. I mean, let's be real here. On the all-time list of great Yankees, there's probably a very good chance Derek Jeter's no better than fifth, which is awesome and incredible and off the charts. I'd love to be fifth on the Yankees' all-time list. <laughs> I mean, who wouldn't be? Who wouldn't be? I don't, know, I don't know if it's really great being fifth on the all-time Marlins list, but being fifth on the Yankees list is pretty darn good. So does it really matter if you're unanimous? No. It doesn't, except for a point of interest it is. I mean, we're going to find out, I think, who left him off the ballot. I think, is it Wednesday? And that's just out of curiosity. Who cares? It's just a point of interest. The bottom line is, did you get 75%? Did Paul Amalu get enough votes to get into the Hall of Fame? Yeah, he got in. I mean, yeah, and you're right. Should you just vote for the people you think should be in? Yeah. The problem is that they've got only five to vote for. They don't have a 10-person ballot like baseball does. Baseball is a 10-person ballot. Football is five, and that's where the numbers come in. That's why you like you hear about Alan Fanica. He can be getting in two to three years. There's like a waiting process here. And while that is true, Steve, I still think it's a dangerous act for the or dangerous attitude for the writers to have. Only because if you go in and say so and so, Derek Jeter, Troy Palmolo, whoever, oh, he's going to get an have to worry about writing or voting for him. Well, what happens if other writers are, might be thinking that same thing, and all of a sudden well, that, that said, guy doesn't get in? And, and that's the problem. Suddenly you got forty-seven other guys thinking the same way. Uh oh, right? <laughs> we got a problem here. So <laughs> it's, it's a dangerous in. habit to have. So that's why you have to really make sure that you're voting for the right people and just keep it simple like that. And, and they have to prioritize. So if guys like an Alan Fanica, for instance, or John Lynch, if they if they don't get if if they don't get into me, I put Paul Amalo over those guys. And my personal, my I had a personal oh, sure. ballot. So, but I mean, look look at the ten guys who are here. Okay, so James makes it. Edron James, Hutchinson, Isaac Bruce, Atwater, and Paul Amalo make it. Now here are the other guys. Zach Thomas. Do I think he should be in? Yes. Do I think Sam Mills should be in? Absolutely. I'm a big Sam Mills guy. Do I think John Lynch should be in? Yes. 
Do I think Tony Pacelli should be in? Yes. <laughs> but there's only, I only have five votes. And you only have five. That's a tough choice. But now, Polamalu is an obvious, and I agree with you. He was the one absolutely lead pipe cinch to be in. I believe Isaac Holt was a finalist, too. But... Yes. But to see, the problem is there's going to be more names next year. I think next year Peyton Manning's up, right? Yes. This is first year of eligibility. This is only year of eligibility. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. that, 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 that's an, see, but that's another example. So is a guy like Peter King going to do that again next year? Oh, I'm not going to vote for Peyton Manning because everybody else has got it probably? You don't know that. Right. That's just reckless in my opinion. Yeah, you know, I understand why Peter made the assumption. I understand that, and obviously it was a well-founded assumption because obviously Polamalu got in. All right? But at the same time, you don't want too many people making that assumption that somebody who should be in now isn't. And now they're playing the waiting game. You're like, oh. You don't want too many saying, gee, I was going to vote for him. I just thought for sure everybody else was going to. So that's the problem you're trying to avoid. That's the problem you're trying to avoid. And also, too, it's hard to get into the Hall of Fame. It's just like it's we're talking before. It's hard to win. Well, it's hard to get in the Hall of Fame. Sometimes yes, guys just come up like a Peyton Manning. They're going to get voted over you, and you still you just have to continue to wait. It's just the way it is. But guys will eventually get in. Well, you know, uh, the Pro Football Hall of Fame, outside of an exception here and there, is, for the most part, a waiting game for some of these guys. I, you know, Isaac Bruce has been on there before. Hutchinson's been on there for a while. Atwater's been on there for a while. Hedron James has been on there a while. So it's almost like you had to wait your turn. Remember with Jerome Bettis, the feeling was, it was you know, it's finally it was his turn because he'd waited a while. And um, it was really, you know, what was really cool is when they they brought him up to make his speech. They positioned him exactly three point nine yards away from the. Just kidding, suit. <laughs> <laughs> oh jeez. Oh, I had to. Oh. I had some lively conversations with him on the air. It was just me being, you know, just trying to poke the bear and have some fun, see how mad he'd get. Of course, everybody said, does yeah. that. I said, I looked at this about the playoff thing. I said, you want to know the thing about the playoff thing? It was how incredibly consistent he was. Really? I said, yeah, he averaged 3.9 yards a play in the playoffs, too, <laughs> which was true. I said, you average 3.9 yards. I would tell him, you average 3.9 yards a carry on a team right now. They cut you. <laughs> and he gets so riled up. I can't remember. I'd just be sitting here because it was all just for the entertainment of the program. You don't think for a second, I don't think Jerome Bettis should be a Hall of Famer. Of course I do. But he was so over the top about it. <laughs> I think he would have some fun with him. 
And believe me, we did. <laughs> the first ballot guy. No. All right, we'll come back with more in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Purdy Insurance. For nearly 100 years, Purdy Insurance has been your locally owned, family operated source for insurance products. With a staff of over 20 and partnerships with some of the industry's most trusted companies, Purdy has the experience and resources to get the job done. Whether you need personal home and auto or complex business insurance solutions, Purdy will help you navigate through the process. Call today at 570 286 5855. Or better yet, stop in their Sunbury office to see what Purdy Insurance can do for you. You should see how the suit dances to this in his office after making a sale. <laughs> I don't know if I'd want to see that or not. <laughs> this, is this the part where we make the cheap joke and say that's why we haven't seen it? I mean, I, I mean, we wouldn't want to go that route, do we? Uh, yeah, I don't know about that. Okay. Um... I barely saw the halftime show. I guess a lot of people have had comments about it. Yeah, you missed a lot. Oh, okay. From an entertainment I be- standpoint, I thought it was I thought it was a good show, but the uh choreography and the costuming is what's getting a lot of the comments. Okay. All right. I uh, I mean I barely saw any of the halftime show. I saw none of the pregame show. Watched all four hours. Oh, really? (laughs) Well, when I say watched, I mean I had it on for all four hours. I probably watched, I probably watched, actually watched like half of it. Well, I mean, part of this is probably just personal because obviously Iowa, Illinois, Penn State still has to play both teams. They have to play Iowa a second time. They still have to play Illinois here. So I watched that game and I thought that was terrific basketball. Then I watched the end of Georgetown St. John's. Now, part of this all, by the way, is while I was working. We did not get back till two in the morning yesterday. That game, I didn't. Did I detail any of the trip? Not yet. Okay. Only to me off air. So to start the game, you'll love this. To start the game, they're getting ready to go to jump it. Okay. And all of a sudden, Paul Zelk stops, and he walks over, and he and I said, I said, Dick, I think there's a problem with the basketball. I said, I wonder if they've got a women's basketball in the game. It turned out they did. Wow. So they had to stop because they, because the women had practiced there after Penn State shoot around, and I guess whatever ball was picked was the women's ball. So they figured out right away, and it, they didn't start the game. They had to go over and they had to change basketballs. Okay. So Paul and Paul Zelkin, Lewis Garrison, and Edwin Young, we were courtside, and they were great. They, always coming over, talking to us. We had anything. And I, hey, Paul, was that two or one? He goes, that's two, Chef Alcat, or whatever. They communicated with us all night. Thus, on the air, we kept getting it right because they kept telling us. So, at the start of the second half, Paul has the ball. And I looked over and I said, Is it right one? He goes, Oh, Steve. He says, Thank goodness we got the right one. 
So now the game's over, and now Penn State's won. We can't leave. Right? The battery in the bus is dead. Great. <laughs> It's not like it so, was even cold in Nebraska, I right? No, well, the bus was inside. Oh. You pull into the building. <laughs> like, yeah, so finally, okay, that's all set. We get the bus started. Okay, so 45 minutes, we leave later. Okay, fine. And look, everybody's in fine because they won. Everybody's in a good mood. This is all, there's nobody upset about anything anywhere. Nobody's upset. We get to the airport and the charter company. Their computer system, system-wide, went down. So now they had, they had to fax out manifest everybody like the old days. So we sat there for 45 minutes while they fueled up the plane and were faxing manifest. When it was all said and done, we got back at, we got back at 2 in the morning. And so we're coming into land, and, you know, they'll turn on the lights, and you can see it's really snowing hard as we're coming into land. And Dick looks at me, he says, he says, my forecast says there's a 30% chance of snow. And I said, my observation is it's 100%. <laughs> what, did he not look outside the window? Did he not have a window seat? No, I mean, Dick was looking, he says, is that snow? He says, my phone says there's a 30% chance. And I said, well, my observation is it's 100%. That's great. <laughs> so I got back at 2 in the morning, worked on the Michigan State game all afternoon, because guess what I'm doing in two hours? I'm back up in the air again. We're going to Lansing. <laughs> Tomorrow night at 8, 7.30 airtime, and we'll do the show tomorrow from downtown Lansing.